Craig and Kimmer McLean, would you guys give them a warm welcome? A warm welcome. <laughs> Easy for you to say, yeah. Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you for coming out on a cold, snowy morning. We didn't know what to expect today. We were looking at the weather forecast. Boy, this sounds terrible, doesn't it? Is that echoey? Can you hear it okay? All right, good. We didn't know what to expect. We live up in Maple Grove, so we got up at about four this morning and just started the journey down just in case. You just never know. Well, this is my wife, Kimberly, and I'm Craig, um, and we're going to tell you a little bit about, as Travis said, brokenness today. This is never an easy topic for us to talk about, but it's our story, and God has been very gracious in helping us um, not only live through that story, not kill each other, but grow through that story to a point where we can actually share the story to hopefully help others that may be going down a similar path or, as we always say, I know someone that might benefit from a story like this, right? Yeah, because it's never us. It's always, I know someone, I have a friend. So we'll go ahead and get started. Um, let's see, I'm going to do that. So we both grew up in Hutchinson, Minnesota. We were high school sweethearts. We married at the ripe age of 21. I was two days 21, just turned 21. Um, we both grew up with families, good families, nothing wrong with them. Uh, Kim's family went to a Lutheran church. My family went to a Methodist church. But it was hypocrisy. It was going to be seen. There was no relationship with Christ. There was no substance. It was window dressing. So we came through our, our formative years in high school and came into our marriage thinking, you know, this church thing is, it's hypocrisy. We don't need it. So we just kind of moved on from that. Um, by God's grace, we're celebrating 40 years of marriage this year, uh, September 27th. And the Lord has blessed us with three adult children. Ironically, our kids are scattered, so we were looking for a family photo for this today. And this is the best we could do, that old couch picture that you always dread on Thanksgiving. But that's the whole clan, and it's relatively current. So there's the couch picture of the McLeans. Um, I'm in my fifth year as the executive pastor here at Grace Church, and that's a whole other story for a whole other day. But I spent the majority of my working life in corporate America, and then in 2016, God had a different plan and kind of tapped me on the shoulder in a very unique way. So I started as the executive pastor here at Grace in September of 2016. Let's see. We thought that uh, this morning, just so you could get a better sense of who we are, that we'd talk about a few of the things that are common to us, that we agree on, and then we're going to pivot. We're going to talk a little bit about some of the things that we disagree on or that we're different about. Um, so just sit back and take a listen to this as we kind of guide through this. Go ahead, dear. Well, we agree in the hope and promises of uh, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, um, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. We agree that our walk with Christ, our personal health, our marriage, and our family have to be priorities in our life. Like, we vacation very well together. Mm -hmm. We do. <laughs> Um, we love the ocean, the mountains, adventure of all kinds. But then come the differences. I'm a meat eater. I love steak, seafood, pork. I love my vegetables, but from the brassica family, cabbage, Brussels sprouts, those kind of things. 
40 years, I'm telling you, the, bar, the wall goes down, you know. But I love salads, dark chocolate, coconut, and vanilla cream brulee. I'm a morning person. I don't think I even begin the morning, or I'm not even a Christian, till I've had a good cup of coffee and maybe noon. It's true. Um, when we exercise, I sweat like a pig. I mean, there's just no other way to describe it. I think I barely perspire. I think maybe a glow is the best I can do. I married an accountant. She's concerned about the most minute details. She wants me to take every receipt from every expense that we have and capture it in this online app so she has a complete record of every dollar spent. But honey, I think um, because you're a visionary and a big picture guy, why is it that I'm still finding receipts from 2016? <laughs> it's true. Okay. Um, she's intuitive. She's very rarely wrong. And on that one occasion when I thought she was wrong, she was right and I was wrong. And now at about 40 years, he's finally starting to listen to me. I hate clutter. Absolutely hate it. A place for everything and everything in its place. But I tell you, if there's a flat surface, call me. Consider it covered. I will make sure, because I'm visual, I will make sure that I can cover it up for you. What's the term? Horizontal filer? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I like to focus on one thing at a time. Focus on it, do it, do it well, move on. Sometimes he just doesn't understand me. Everything in my world is connected. I have this thing called a nothing box, and I love it. At the end of a day, just to go to that nothing box for a while. It's the most peaceful place in the world. How can you think about nothing? <laughs> Quite easily. Quite easily. Um, so that's kind of who we are. Get a sense for how God has a sense of humor here. He's brought the left and the right together in the center. And I'm so glad that he did. Because had he not, had we been kind of carved from the same mold, I highly doubt we'd be standing here today, to be really honest with you. Let me tell you a little bit about the old me, um, the old us, so to speak. Um, during the first 11 years of our marriage, the disconnects between us were much greater. It had very little to do with dark chocolate and a love for meat. They were pretty foundational. Uh, Kimberly had her ideas about marriage and life together, and I had mine. Uh, to this point, my life, it, as we got married, my life had been nothing more than a series of checkboxes. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm not keeping up with the clicking here. That's our family today. But when you look at the checkboxes, that was me. I went into marriage saying, I've got a series of things that I need to accomplish here. I'm going to get married. Check. Done with that. Don't need to spend much time there anymore. I'm going to get a great career. Check. Did that going to make a lot of money, check, did that, and went through this, this life, just this series of checkboxes. Sadly, I didn't see our marriage through the filter of Ephesians 5.25, which says, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. I was living life my way, intent upon doing what I wanted, when I wanted, how I wanted. So during the same time in our marriage, I didn't understand the power that comes from Ephesians 5.33 that says, and the wife must respect her husband. 
So again, back to this picture real quick. Um, during these early days of our marriage, those first 11 years, I was obsessed with success, or at least the outward perception of success. Truth be told, we were living probably the largest lie that you could imagine. To the casual onlooker, everything looked great. We had a beautiful house in Federal Way, Washington, end of a cul-de-sac. We had two of the cutest little girls that you could imagine, three and five in this picture. We had cool cars. We took great vacations, family vacations, romantic getaways. We even had a really cool dog. <laughs> if you'd looked at us from the outside, you would have said everything was in place. Again, back to my checkboxes. By the age of 31, professionally, I was at the top of my game. I was a sales manager with a very large Fortune 500 company. In the spring of 1991, my sales district was the number one sales district in the company. Amazing. And back in those days, the companies did these elaborate trips where you'd go. They called it the 100-plus club in this case. So we went down to the Bahamas. Because I was the number one sales manager in the company, I had the privilege of coming up on a stage. This was back when the movie Top Gun had just come out. Two huge TV screens on both sides. They had redone the lyrics. They had singers on stage dressed in leather jackets. They'd taken the song into the danger zone and put my name into it as the jet fighters were taking off from the aircraft carriers, right? I'm there. I have arrived, 31, and here I am. I got to spend 20 minutes telling every one of my peers how great it was and how I you know, managed to navigate this sales district to this wonderful success. Truth be told, it was probably the emptiest time of my life. Um, I had everything that I'd wanted to have. I checked all the boxes. And yet I knew deep down inside there was something really, really wrong. Things were broken. The weight of their past poor decisions on my behalf had taken its toll. Inside I was empty, depressed, hopeless. Our marriage was tattered, worn. Recognizing the depth of my brokenness when I got home from that trip, Kimberly one day had taken the kids to see a pediatrician. And she just gave me this business card and said, you need to go talk to this guy. Now bear in mind, back in these days, we weren't Christ followers. We weren't church attenders. We looked at the whole religion thing as hypocrisy. We didn't need that in our lives. So this counselor I went to, secular counselor, I think he'd been divorced three or four times. Now there's the kind of person you want to go to to get marriage advice, right? <laughs> Yeah. Um, in retrospect, it's easy to see how God was already at work in my life. My desires for doing wrong things had changed. They'd literally melted away. From the inside out, he was making me into a new creation. Deep down, though, however, I, I knew I had to be honest with Kimberly. After 11 years of dishonesty, of false foundation, it was really important that we strip all of that away. If we were going to survive, we needed to be honest for the first time. So October 30th, 1991, after we'd put our girls to bed, time had come to clear the slate with Kimberly. For the first time in a long time, I was honest, I was open with her about my life and the many things that had contributed to the brokenness in our marriage. Oh, that dreadful night. I realized my worst fears the reality of just how broken we were landed with such an impact. 
I had promised not to ask him how his counseling sessions were going until he was ready to share, and this was that night. I was hoping to hear some great updates, but instead I received the news that my dream family was nothing more than a facade. It was a fake family. It was a charade that was exposed. The cracks in our marriage, the breakdown of communication, and it revealed the arguments over money and deeper issues. There was nothing like the endless tears of hurt and disappointment into the wee hours of the morning that uncovered the insecurity and doubt to bring up old wounds of bitterness and resentment hour after hour. I remember at one point silently asking, God, if you exist, help me. And I also heard, which sounds really weird, not being a churchgoer, not being a Christ follower, this one word that said, wait. And it echoed in my mind. And that stuck with me all that time. In the days that followed, a um, lot of uncertainty. I was fully prepared for her to ask me to leave the house. She didn't. That was my plan. I got to know our guest room pretty well. That was also my plan. <laughs> One of the things that really stuck with me during that season, as I said, we didn't grow up in Christian homes. We got married very young. I'm an only child. My dad came to me the day of our wedding, and he's a simple guy. Um, but his, his one word of advice to me about marriage was, Craig, someday there will be a time in your life where you're going to need a church. And as this was all coming apart, I thought, boy, Dad, if there's ever a day that I need a church, this is probably it. So that simple instruction from my dad kind of set us on a course, not Christ followers ourselves. We agreed that we should start looking for a church. The journey was amazing, um, and stories for another day, but suffice it to say, God does have a sense of humor. I remember particularly the one charismatic church that we went to, again, Lutheran Church, Methodist Church, Midwest, we're in Seattle at a very Pentecostal church, large lady in a red dress in the chair next to me. When the first song started, she kicked her shoes off, stood up on the chair, pulled a scarf out, and started going like this. <laughs> Went, whoa, okay, we're not in Minnesota anymore. But through all of that, God brought us to a really great church home, Marine View Presbyterian Church, this neat little church, sat up on a bluff, looked out over the Puget Sound, the associate pastor there, young man by the name of Eric Anderson, his, or Peterson, his father is Eugene Peterson, the guy that wrote the Message Bible. And, and Eric had something. When I looked at him, when I looked in his eyes, I saw something. And I, I couldn't put my finger on it, but I saw something there. And I'd love to tell you that Eugene Peterson's son led me to Christ. He didn't. I just saw something there in him that was very unique. In the months that followed, God revealed his perfect plan for our lives. So at this little church, there was an invite that went, uh, that went out to the women. It was a women's retreat. My husband says, hi, you need to go. And I thought, oh, this sounds so exciting. I could find my new group of women friends, right? But then the thought came into my mind, but he's never taken care of our children, ever, <laughs> let alone an overnight or two overnights. So I did decide to go, but my plan again was to go. But my plan was to gain biblical 
counsel to divorce him. So I went and I met my new friends. They were amazing. And I did receive the approval of yes. In my circumstances, it was proper and okay to divorce him. But on the last day of the retreat, our speaker also shared the gospel. She shared about unconditional love known as agape love. I'd never heard the gospel before. I've heard about John 3.16, where God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that he would die on the cross for me. But the speaker added, just for me. She explained that if I were the only one created in this world as a human being, God would still send Jesus just for me. Wow. And then she shared a salvation prayer, and I wrote that down in my notes. At the end of that retreat, I found myself um, sitting in my car in the empty church parking lot, talking to the Lord. And you know, I said, Lord, you know my agenda in going to this retreat. And you did answer me, but I also learned that you died on the cross for me. So here I sit at my crossroads. Do I trust you more to change my marriage into something good? Or do I walk away? So no matter what has been said or done to me, I first need to acknowledge that I'm that sinner. And I walk through that prayer. And I invited Christ into my life, right there in that parking lot. So the wait, isn't that amazing? I waited, and God answered. Um, so just as you said, if it was not for God, we would not be here today. How amazing is that, right? Um, the Lord had to first change me. And then I quit my job that I totally loved during this whole time in the process, the job that I was running to all the time during all this crazy, chaotic episode in our lives, the job that kept my children in, in uh, daycare 12 hours a day um, because we were both um, quite workaholics and because of the commute times and the Seattle time. Um, and I came home to stay home. And then the Lord graciously provided uh, work at home for me, which was very fairly new at that time. And I was just like so amazed during this whole process. Yeah, during these, uh, these few months, things were, I couldn't, I couldn't put my arms around them. There wasn't a box that I could check. There was something unique happening, didn't know what it was. Like Kimberly said, she quit her job. That was her safe place. That was her security. That was her identity. We would, we would fight every day about who was going to pick the kids up, who was going to take the kids. It was 12-hour days. Saturday was that day to do laundry, pick up groceries. Um, you know, it was just a process that we were going through. It wasn't a life. So she quit her job. I thought, wow, that's interesting. Hmm. We were quite How are we going to afford this house that we've got? <laughs> um, a couple of weeks after that retreat, she gave me a letter that I still have to this day. And in that letter, she explained to me how she had gone to this retreat planning to divorce me. But instead, she'd met this person by the name of Jesus. I, I didn't understand it. I watched the changes occur. She was even starting to like me again. We'd go for a walk. We'd hold hands. There was fellowship that was starting to take place. And then the fall of 1992, we're at this little Presbyterian church. 
We'd fight every morning as we got up to go to church, of course, because I wanted to sit right in the middle of the section. If you got there too early, you'd have to go and sit, you know, you'd have to say hi to everybody and you have to talk to people. Didn't want to do that. If you got there too late, you'd have to go all the way up to the front because the church always fills from the back to the front. So I wanted to get there just about right. And, and time is a relative thing for Kimberly. So we were always right up front, sitting there, right, just hello. And then, of course, as you leave, you get to say hi to everybody on the way out, which is really fun, right? So we're, we're going through the motions there, but God had brought some really neat people into Kimberly's life initially. And then there was this day, fall of 92, I'm sitting there, and I took the little bulletin out of the back of the, of the uh, seat in front of me, and here's this advertisement, a little promotional thing, for a program called Dad the Family Shepherd. It was taking place at a neighboring church, but the thing that caught my eye was just the headline that said, hey guys, if you're interested in learning how to become better husbands and better fathers, come check this out. So I shared with Kimberly, I think I'm going to go to that. And then I picked her up off the floor. <laughs> that was not characteristic for me. So the event comes, and here I sat at a church that I'd never been to, surrounded by guys that I didn't know, listening to some guy talk about stuff I didn't understand, and it was peaceful. It was where I was supposed to be. The speaker, Dave Simmons, football player for the St. Louis Rams when they still had a football team, big tough guy, and he starts out on Friday night and he says, guys, I know you're here to learn to be better husbands and better fathers. I'm here to tell you you can't do either until you've learned to become a better son. And he shared the gospel. And it was a lightning bolt experience for me. Absolutely a lightning bolt experience. And, and to put that into context for you, I'm going through this time, and I knew something had changed deep down with inside me. And I wanted to go home, and I wanted to tell Kimberly about it on Friday night. But I also wanted to just be with him just for a moment. So as I'm driving back from this little church, again, Seattle, along the Puget Sound, there's a little place called the Lobster Shop Restaurant. And the beach next to it is the Lobster Shop Beach. And the Lobster Shop Beach has this long pier that goes out into the Puget Sound. So I parked in the parking lot, and I walked out to the end of that pier, and I turned around, and the moon was out right up in front of me, just as bright as could be. Put my arms behind me, closed my eyes, and I said, Lord, I don't know what's happening in my life. I don't know what happened tonight, but it's unmistakable. You're doing something in me. I don't mean to question you, Lord, but if there was a way you could just affirm that what I've experienced tonight is of you, I would really appreciate it. And about that moment, my eyes just were flooded with the brightest light I'd ever seen. Now, I didn't grow up in a Christian home, but I knew enough to know this bright light might mean, oh, here we go, right? About that time, the King County Sheriff said, come in off from the pier. The pier is closed. And he had his big spotlight shining on me. I went, okay, Lord, you got a sense of humor. This is going to be an amazing journey. Um, it was incredible, absolutely incredible. As that program came to an end, I had um, a guy that is still so special to me in my life. But this guy walks up to me and he says, hi, I'm Dave. I said, well, hi, Dave, I'm Craig. And we started to unpack what had transpired Friday night, Saturday morning. My conversation with Dave that morning grew into a two-and-a-half-year discipling relationship where just about every Saturday morning, I got together with Dave at his house. He'd have the press pot coffee going with the Starbucks coffee in it, and we'd spend an hour and a half, two hours studying God's Word, going through a discipleship program. Dave is still alive and well. He's in his early 80s. He lives down in Florida. I talked to him about once a month, 
And he has this troubling behavior. Uh, he'll ask me all these questions. We, great conversation. The last question he always asks me, Craig, have you just lied to me about anything you've told me today? Mm. <laughs> Dave, I'm a pastor. How could I lie to you about anything I've just told you, right? Yeah. But that was, that was a, a major transition in our lives. Um, as we think about the journey that we've traveled, I mentioned to you that we're celebrating 40 years of marriage today. God has done an extraordinary work in our lives, and it is a blessing to be able to stand here this morning as husband and wife, celebrating 40 years of marriage. We had two kids when this was all happening. At the age of 40, we were blessed with a third child, our son, Andrew, and it wasn't our plan. We'd given up on it, and yet God had another plan and blessed us with a third child that we'd prayed for and prayed for and prayed for, and it didn't happen. And all of a sudden, one day, Kimberly came home and said, guess what? I said, you got a promotion? <laughs> we're getting a new puppy? <laughs> no, no, we're going to be mom and dad. What a surprise that was. That job that you don't like so much, do not turn Yeah, don't quit. Don't yes. quit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, that's very true. But we, uh, God has been so faithful through this journey. We've had people that have come into our lives at very strategic times. They've blessed us. They've committed to pray for us. And they've just been there, life on life, doing community, like a lot of you are doing here today. So ministries like this, super important, super dear to our hearts, because we've seen how God wants to work in our lives. When we get rid of our checkboxes, when we get rid of the to-do list, when we open our hands, when we humble ourselves, when we quit playing the games, when we move away from defense and offense, and we are that strand of three chords, united as one before him. He does amazing things. What I know is that had I divorced Craig at that time, I would have missed out on the best, and I mean the best years of my life, and the best years in our marriage, because our marriage just began once we knew Christ. Understand that either way, it is hard work and heart work. But we have a choice to stay stuck and resentful or to forgive and move forward to a better future. Because God is always in it. Whether we want God in it or not, he's there. We just have to choose to see him, to move toward him, to trust him, and to, and to follow his lead. The Lord is always faithful. So wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage, it says in Psalm 27, 14. Wait for the Lord. So as we wrap up our time today, once again, just want to remind um, ourselves, I think probably as much as anything, is we've grown deeper in our walk with him. We've grown deeper in our love for each other in a way that we couldn't fabricate apart from him. So just want to really affirm everybody for taking the time to come connect through re-engage, to invest in your marriage. And even though, like I say, I'm sure everybody here, your marriage is perfect, there aren't any problems, you're here for those friends that you know that might be having challenges. Um, encourage them, encourage those friends to fight the good fight, because it is so worth fighting for. So let me just close this in a word of prayer, if I could. Heavenly Father, we just come before you today, and we just acknowledge, Lord, that apart from you, we can do nothing. 
We are imperfect vessels, broken and dependent upon you. So I just pray, Lord, in the hearts and the minds of each person gathered here today that there would be that sweet surrender to you, Father, literally an opening of the hands before you, and that in a way that only you can, Father, you would bless each and every marriage that is gathered here today, Lord, each and every couple, and that you would work through them in their marriage, Father, in a way that brings about a healthy, growing, Christ-honoring partnership that brings glory and honor to you, Father. We just pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. <laughs>